glad that you're here. We're going to be doing some things a little bit different. We're going to do our announcements, and we're going to be taking up our offering again uh, first thing at the end of the service. Uh, a couple of things I, I hope that uh, you noticed were online in the bulletin. The bulletin is for you to tell you. Don't forget, finance committee needs to get their uh, request for our 2023 budget item.
sometimes since we've had a chance to have our fellowship time, we want to kind of go back to that because we love it. And uh, if you visit with us, we want to say a word of welcome to you. If you visit with us online, we'd like to say a word of welcome to you as well. And uh, so I'm going to ask if you would, you could stand and as we uh, enjoy the fellowship again together. You can greet with another. You can fist bump, elbow bump, high five. Give a thumbs up or just wait, whatever you prefer. But greet your guest today, please.
Thank you. 
said that uh, while he worked his trade, he passed himself off as a stockbroker, a banker, a physician, a mining engineer, a chemist, a geologist, and a land developer. He originated a bunch of economists that today law enforcement officials try to make people aware of also included one of the phony movie operations that was portrayed in the movie The Sting. And uh, he said this, claiming that you can't cheat an honest man. Think about that. You can't cheat an honest man. That was what he claimed. Well, he said of his victims, all wanted something for nothing. But instead, he decided that he could give them nothing for something. And that was the lie. Well, you've never heard of him. Perhaps maybe you've heard of, I think, the Bible's biggest con artist. And that is Jacob. We're going to look at Jacob this morning. And we really are introduced in Genesis 25 to the Old Testament version of Joseph Webb and his fellow Jacob Wright. Remember how his story began, uh, how Isaac and Rebecca gave birth to twins, and Jacob is the younger twin, and he's called Jacob because during that birth process, he had grabbed the heel of Esau, his brother, and the name Jacob is the one, uh, that means the one who grasped the heel. Uh, he was a deceiver and a liar. And it isn't too much of a, a stretch of the imagination to think that as these two boys grew up and became men, their father Esau would ask of Jacob, Are you pulling my leg again? And that's the kind of guy he was. He was a con artist, uh, extraordinary. When you look at his life, you kind of realize that his family had a, a hand in that. You think about Abraham, Abraham, the father of the faith. We think about how he passed on, or he tried to pass on his wife, Sarah, I think two times, as his sister. Uh, just uh, not a really good act of integrity. And uh, Isaac had no more than that. And you think about all the, the family heredity that, that tied into who Jacob was. And then you take so, by the time we get to Genesis 32 and pick up this story, uh, we can see that Jacob kind of had this, this foundational beginning, and he really had blossomed into this, this kind of common artist fellow. But also, by the time that we get to 32, Genesis 32, Jacob had had one encounter with God. You read about that in Genesis 22. Jacob is saved by the grace of the Lord. And he saved in a dream. Remember, we'll uh, some of Jacob's ladder. Genesis 28, Jacob has this dream of a ladder that was stretching out to heaven, angels were ascending and descending. Well, it, it's a picture of God's grace. It's a picture of Jesus being born. And in that dream, Jacob is changed, and he is saved. In Genesis 32, we come again to uh, Jacob being encountered by God, and he asks this question that we're going to look at in just a moment. And so he had at least this much going for him. There was a spiritual connection to God. And for the last 20 years between well, Genesis 28 and Genesis 32, he's, he's kind of been out on the run. And uh, he's been on the land, so to speak, because Esau, his brother, has said, when I see him, 
And then in verses 7 through 24, we see him still being this speaker. He is a deceiver. He's been born again, but really, he hasn't changed. And this is really what we come to this morning. Jacob belongs to God, but what Jacob has not yet come to is that he can trust God. Fully, truly, totally trust God. Now, let me ask you this morning. Anybody here have trouble trusting God? Anybody here this morning have trouble letting go and let God do the thing he wants done? That's where Jacob is at. He's not ready, really, to trust God. And remember that God has been working on Jacob. I mean, for 20 years, God has been trying to shake this steel out of Jacob, trying to get him to be a better man, a different man. I will say to you, the good news for us this morning is that God has never stopped we are a, uh, an object or a person of God's continual grace. And therefore, the Bible tells us that, that we won't really be the complete work of God until one day we're in heaven with God. And we'll be made a complete different person, a new person in Christ. But even as we come to God, God still continues to work on us and to sanctify us and to set us apart for His glory. And so here He is, God has Him, and God has an opportunity to come and really grab hold of Jacob. So I'm going to say it again. And, and while there's a physical picture here of the wrestling, it, it's a spiritual picture here more than anything else. It, it's the wrestling going on in the heart of Jacob, and I want you to say three things real quickly this morning. I want you to see, first of all, where Jacob is at. He is in a place of isolation. How often is it that God brings us to a place of isolation so that we can hear His voice, so that we can see His face? Sometimes folks come and want to say, Pastor, I'm going through this, this has been going on my life. I'm in a, a period of great distress and Shaking, but the floor is just dropped out from under me. And often I think they'll say, they'll say, Pastor, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I feel so alone. Dear friend, it may be that God has put you in that place of rejection so that you can actually see There's Jacob. That's where he's at. His families across the river. He may never see them again. His brother was told, comes with 400 warriors. And, and you know, the outlook is not good. There perhaps won't be anyone left. He's going to lose whatever possession he has. And, and if he's lucky, he may just escape with his life and his wife and But here he is. He's all alone. By the way, that's what normality does. try to lose ourselves in the world. And God speaks into that. You know why there are more Christians that don't come to church on a regular basis? They do. Truth is, they don't want to face God. Church, I want to say, is full of all kinds of Jacobs. Jacobs who fill their life with friends. Jacobs who, who lose themselves in their business and in their profession. Jacobs who, who spend all their time amusing themselves with the next vacational trip, the next TV show that they can binge, and the next internet thing that they can get into, the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter, but anything to keep from being alone with God. But the problem is Jacob is he is in a place of isolation. When's the last time you go home? When's the last time that you got face to face with God? And think about this for a moment. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus was the rock of all 
So here God has Jacob in a place of isolation. But he comes also to a point of confrontation. Jacob's had one divine intervention with God. He's had that dream. And, and he's seen that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's been confronted by what it is to be saved and how he uh, can be saved and must be saved. That picture of the, the ladder is a picture of Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Those angels are ministering spirits. God has given a spiritual lesson in that dream, and he's confronted. He's confronted in the sin. Now, at this moment, Jacob is wrestling, but it's not some mere man. It's not just some ordinary fellow. It is what the theologians call a theophany. It is a pre-incarnate picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a foreshadow of what Jesus would do if Jesus came in the flesh and dwelt among us. And you see, now God is confronting Jacob again. He earlier confronted him about his salvation, about his need uh, to be saved because he was a sinner. But now he's confronting him about his sanctification, about his life as a Christian. And he asks the question, who are you? Who are you? Think about that question. We've said it. It's kind of amazing how you go through these questions that God asks. Just like Adam and Eve, God already knows the answer. It's kind of silly to be, for example, from Adam and Eve, where are you? God knew where they were. They weren't really hiding from God. You can't hide from God. God didn't ask Adam and Eve, where are you, to try to uh, figure out the answer. He wanted them to figure out where they were in their relationship with him, now that they had sinned. And when, when God comes and says, what is your name? He's not asking that question because he doesn't know Jacob's name. He's asking Jacob that question because he wants Jacob to give the answer. Who are you? The answer is, I'm Jacob. And the answer is, I'm a sinner. The answer is, I'm Stephen. The answer is, I am uh, 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 still doing it my way. The answer is, I'm not let go, and I'm not yet trusted. That's the answer that Jacob gives. I'm still Jacob. I'm still that old person that you say. I really haven't changed any. Well, I can just say that he brings him to a place of isolation. He brings him to a place of confrontation. He brings him to a place of desperation. He is pressed to desperation. Look at verses 25 to 29. When he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and have been and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. And he said, Why have you been blessed by me? And then he blessed him. Why do I say desperation? Because what happens here is that Jacob Jacob understands something's missing in his life. He's, he's there. He's trying to do the right thing. He needs to go back, apologize to his brother. He needs to go back and confess his sin. He needs to go back and, and, and be uh, the leader of God's people. He needs to go back and do all those things that God is calling him to do. But he's got to do it. He's got to do it in God's way and put God in front of him because God knows his strength and his struggle. And Jacob realizes, I can't do this unless God is with me. And in this great wrestling match, it goes just to Jacob gets a hold of God and says, I'm not going to let go of you until God gives me a change in your life. And that's exactly what God does. Physically, we see God touching his hip socket and he's disjointed. 
have a message from back in the house that God can do and forever change Jacob and also forever change the people of God. There's no that the, the Israelites from that point on would not even eat that part of uh, the animal that had the hips on it because it's there when God touched the ground. It changed the people. It had a, a, the blessings flowed out. And, and he's at a point of desperation. Have you gotten there? Let me just say that God will not bless you until you get to a point where you just refuse to let go of Him. Until you refuse to do anything but trust in Him. God will make us face up to what's on the inside. God will wrestle with us until we give up and surrender. Folks, what happens in what he wanted was the blessing of God. What we find is God blessing Jacob. And Jacob says, what do you You see, when you seek God and when you long for God, and you won't let go of God, dear friend, you may not understand everything about God. And Jacob, with the, the answer that he doesn't perceive in a sense, tells us that God isn't always explaining everything to us about who he is. But hear this. God does listen. God does change it. God does release himself in the Jacob's life. The second, the first thing though, is God asks Jacob, what's his name? And then Jacob says, this is who I am. I'm Jacob. That's Stephen. I'm the hero grabber. I'm the leg puller. I'm the clown artist. That's his name. this point on, you will change. You wouldn't let go of me until I blessed you. You wouldn't let go. You wouldn't give up on me, and I haven't given up on you. And from this point, there's going to be a new start. God gave you a new identity. God gave you a brand new identity. Satan wants for you and I to live in our old identity. Satan wants for you and I to live in our own uh, identity. Satan wants for us to be defeated by our flesh, by our sin, but not Jesus. Satan wants us to live in that old graveyard. It's Jesus who stands outside of our, our tomb uh, where we've been born again. And he says, as it says, the Lazarus who's going to cry around, loose him and let him go. It's Jesus who wants to give sight to our blindness. It's Jesus who wants to give true healing to our broken bones. It is Jacob, who is no longer Jacob, who is now Israel. And dear friend, when you look at his life, when you begin to, 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 to study from this point on, he's a new man. You don't find him any more scheming. You don't find him any more tricky. As a matter of fact, he becomes a new leader of God's people. He becomes the founder of the 12 tribes. He, he's the last of the great patriarchs of the Bible, but he is the beginning of the tribe of God, the people of God, and what God has brought to them. Forevermore, he walks in a new humility. He goes and he faces his brother. He reconciles a broken relationship. And he, he, he becomes the leader of his people. He crosses the river. He, he does, and he becomes the man of God. The story is simple. He came to a place of isolation. He, he, he came to a place of confrontation. And he came to a place of desperation. And God got a hold of him. And God changed him. Where is the story, Jacob? If you'll let go.
Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus speaking to the church and he's speaking to Christians. The Spirit says in verse 17, he says, and here lay here what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the living man, and I will give him the white stone. says, it says that he who overcomes will be white with the blood of the Lamb, what they do in him. I believe, like God said, the church of the Old Testament did not. You'll find something. I'm all I am. I'm not the world, but I'm not a Christian. so much like Jesus that the Bible says that you can look at us one day and see Jesus Christ in the one that has it. I don't know about you, I have been serving God for that much longer than you have been here. Who are you in here? God tells you just what God says. Maybe you're at the beginning of that back 20 year wilderness experience that God has done work in the spirit upon you. Lord, let us indeed tonight experience the things we see in your life. We learn the lessons we need to learn if we get into personal communion. Lord, maybe we've been in the spirit for a while, but we're coming out of it. We've got to face up to who we are and what we've done and where we've been and the failures we've made along. Perhaps someone today, but there's been someone here who's in need of that, that first great experience that Jacob had in salvation. But only Jesus here to wave and say, You are welcome. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whatever decision might need to be made, Lord, if that has salvation, rededication, recommitment, whatever it is, Lord, today we come to you humbly surrendering. For we thank you for coming in, for trusting you. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you 
and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.